Lucky Boys Podcast. Humble test, beginnings. Test, test. You kind of get <clears> these instincts. You see a lot of and these characters. That, you didn't get to survive in the streets not knowing to have these spider senses. Yes. yes. So my dad's like, watch out for him. Street sense. Watch out for yeah. him. He goes, you know, in the front cover, he's going to show you so pretty. I'm a nice guy. I'm harmless. I could never harm you. Not even a fly. My dad says, inside, he could kill everyone. Nobody can make it that he hard, that big. He everyone till there's nothing left. He's like, you watch out, son. He goes, people like that. He goes, those are the more dangerous one than the one you see with tattoo. You know, because they show you who they are when you see, you know what to expect. But someone like that, they lie all the time, lie. The way they look is lie inside. Cold. There's always a hidden agenda because all they care about is making money. That's it. And if he does not use some of his wealth yeah. to put it back into the community. He doesn't. So that tells me, he you know, he's, you know, this is the new neo-capitalist yeah. of just the Trump thing. You're seeing more and more of those characters come out. So. I, I had no choice. I used to work with them because I used to, you know, be the accounts when I was, you know, working that sprint and I had to, when they pay for these things, oh, I just spent $10 million on this network. I need this shit yesterday. And, you know, these are the gorillas with the $10,000, you know, custom-made suits. Yeah. They'll come to you, and they're going to say, well, let's see how you're going to handle this. That's, that's another thing. And it's not a matter of, no matter how much you want to, and I know myself, somehow, you know, whatever the, the role I have chosen, regardless of, Faith or whatever you want to call it. There's no such thing as a coincidence. Shit happens to me. Whatever the reason may be, um, somebody will come into my life and just do things. And the scenario is like, hmm, what the fuck is this thing for? Another fucking test. God, and do you believe that, that that's God intervening? You know what? Are uh, you really as, a, as a Christian, a I Christian believe like there is some spiritual type of entity i am a christian i'm also a buddhist um i also believe in karma and i try to you know not to fuck things up because i don't want to leave that to my daughter because whatever happens i now have to contemplate as you know shit that's going to happen my daughter will be collateral damage adam and eve for example, they bit the apple, so everyone is everyone, every human being born after that that originated from this. You get original sin, right? And because of that, you need to be baptized out. Like where kids are born into a world of shit because of the bad karma that they had gets passed down. So even in death, their bloodline will continue to be cursed because of something they did. Yeah. And then it's up to that new generation. I believe that they can break that generation. You have curse. to try to but break they, the it's cycle. It's an uphill fight. It is. Right? It's an uphill fight because it's, there's just so much shit that they dump on you. And a lot of times I say to myself, everything that was taught to me and everything that I have learned, the moment my daughter was born, mm -hmm. I had to unlearn myself to reteach my daughter not how to uh, learn things the way I was taught. So I have to, you know, literally reevaluate how I was raised 
the good things, the bad things that happened to me. When you're talking about you had to adjust and update, I think a big part of it, even to this day, we were raised with a lot of anger, right? As a shortcut, right? They would just get angry. Oh, why don't you just do this? And Instead of teaching us how to properly do something through love, it was, it, I felt like they were very short on kids. Like, you should just know this. You should just do this already without that education background or the support or the resources given. It just felt like they wanted you to do this so bad and be successful so bad, but they didn't have the, the proper steps and the guidance yeah. to give you the best chances of su- succeeding. And not only that, because the fact that, you know, when you have parents that are not, I guess, highly educated, they're not dumb. I mean, they did, you know, my mom was educated to a level when she was in China that, you know, well-read. But there are still things that in life that, um, you know, she's not exactly what they will call, you know, Harvard Ivy graduated level. But like my dad himself, he was, you know, well-read in his own rights. His, you know, Chinese literacy, his philosophies and his wisdom is all done. But during the time when he was here struggling, they all know exactly what we have to do. We just want to make sure that our children don't eat the bitter. You know, they want to just say we are eating our bitter so our children don't have to. But I also feel personally we need to, and even for my daughter, to sample what eating bitter is to understand that what we have to go through and giving these kids a pass these days, certain entitlements the kids are getting. I want this. Why can't I get an iPhone? Why, you know, why can't I be this? And they get angry because they're, you know, because of peer pressure. They're angry because of what social media is showing them. So therefore, our children right now, you know, the certain entitlement, they get angry because, well, I'm sorry, we just can't afford it. They don't understand that. Um, there's, you know, that generation disparity where, yes, you know, eat the bitter. Um, Here's the thing. I, if I don't provide a cell phone or something that all of their friends have, I'm, I'm really trying to teach them restraint. That's one. Two, you don't need to be a follower. You don't need to have something just because someone else has it. I want you to truly want something because you want it. I don't want you to feel like you need to obtain something because everyone else has it. And all of a sudden you feel like you need to have it because if you live by that code, number one, that's not going to help you when you're older in terms of happiness. Your happiness will be predicated on what you have obtained based on your surroundings, your environment. And I don't want, I don't want that. I want your happiness to be on you your independence. I want you to maintain that. And third, if we're talking about cell phone technologies in particular, they're young. I want them to be a kid for as long as possible, not their face glued to a cell phone all the time. So my my daughter, she's totally cool with it, by the way. She is she understands that some of her classmates have an iWatch, right? Where it's cellular and everything. She told me that she goes, It's fine, Dad. I don't want one anyway. They're always on it. And uh, they're they're kind of boring to tell you the truth. I was like, "Well, and my daughter's seven, right? and that's and she's very totally cool. Wise. Whenever you want to talk to your friends, you let me know. So and she lets it, me know, yeah. and then we'll get on a Facetime call. We will get the iPad going, and uh, she'll get on a Facetime and, call with her friends, mm-hmm. and she's happy with that. And, and by the way, that's on you, know. you because when my daughter was growing up, I came mm-hmm. from the technology world when everything just uh-huh. happened. 
She didn't get a cell phone until she was 16. Whoa. 16? Yeah, I worked in the IT and the telecom field um, when I guess the first computer was like five grand with less than 50 megabytes. The Pentiums? Oh, my gosh. I remember that. That weighed a ton? It was like, you know, Windows. And she had access to all of that, you know. She was privileged to digital technology because of my work. But I didn't give her a cell phone until she was 16 because it was, was it 16? A little bit late. This was during 9-11 because they had no choice. The phone system was down and then they provided us with a cell phone. Uh-huh. So I gave her the cell phone for emergencies only. But she was exposed to technology. But at the same time, I've also tried to explain to her what this technology is going to do or, you know, for you, the goods and the bads. And today it is, you know, unfortunately because of the access to it. And, you know, to answer to what you have, when I work with some of the parents with children that are with ACS cases, the kids that they learn right now, and it says, if I don't get the iPhone, I will bang my head and I'm going to go back to my teacher and say, you hit me. Stop playing. No, that's this is a quote unquote. One of my fathers is that, is that a cultural thing? Like, what race was a kid? I'm, um, I work in the Bronx and in Harlem. I'm gonna leave it as black and brown. And and they threaten child like to frame their parents, yes, because they want the iPhone or they that couldn't. It's yeah. crazy. And that was act. this is an actual case on my caseload where the father. Went to jail because, you know, when you're in certain communities, they criminal, they literally criminalize the poor. So when the school, you know, find basically any time when there's any allegations of child abuse, mm-hmm. if you are black and brown or even Asians, I've had my experience with that one time when my daughter was in elementary school. Um, yeah, because they know. You know, they all get around in the classrooms. They all like strategize. Yo, hold on, hold on. It's it's. Scary. Are you serious? I, like I, I, this is. I've heard actual. comedians make bits about this. No, they they didn't get but the materials. This is, this out is of for nowhere. real. This where is the, an where actual kids actually case harm themselves and then frame and the they'll parents. They'll just go and bang their head or just hurt the you know drop the show and they'll just go back and tell the teachers, I, you know, my dad hurt me. These are really like. You know, they think about these things because back they then, back then I used to like be a nuisance to, to my parents, but I never thought oh, I'll frame my parents to get what I want. I and sat on the two train with my colleague and we watched, we heard two ACS caseworkers and how to strategize just to sabotage the case because the father was winning. Mm. This was on the two train, me coming out of work. But and was the father right? It didn't matter because the fact that, um, you know, the program that I was in, whether they were right or not, a lot of times because of certain agendas with, you know, how families are fighting, uh, custody battles, uh, using children as leverage and all of that. Um, was there an incentive for ACS to, to yeah, go that route? keeping the case open, it's, it's pretty much like... Um, Wait, what is ACS for those that don't Administration know? to Children's Services. Okay. So, um, you know, this also go into as far as like um, today's kids, how certain cultures and how certain, uh, you know, economic level and how they're dealt. And, and I've seen it even with Chinese kids because at one time um, there was a case 
where um, the kid lied because this individual wanted something and the parents couldn't get it. So, you know, the student, this child went back to the school and fabricated the story. And um, the person was basically harassed for a long time and also threatened. Because a lot of times if you're in certain community, the moment any time that ACS is involved with the Children Child Protective Services, you're automatically, you know, you will be arrested. I, I have to presume that it's like a certain age range that's usually the... The children, uh, the youth. Yeah, yeah. This is um, the the transition between the elementary school anywhere between like f- from fifth grade because like sixth grade. It used to be elementary school was up so to six, ten years sixth old? grade, ten years old, and then it goes into the middle school and then high school. So, so right during transition, before they leave, because elementary school now ends at fifth grade. I'm not sure about. Right. Your state in in Jersey, so but they're, in New York they're, City, they're getting they're getting ten to ten to fourteen years old. So during this this particular age range for the youth, this is when they go out there. And but they, wouldn't they separate the parents from the kid? Yes, they do. So what happens in those cases? Are the kids like, yo, I was just playing? Too late, because now the lawyer. But there were cases me. where the kids go. I'm just like, no, don't take my mom and dad away. Yeah. It's too late. I just wanted a phone. Wait, wait, wait. The, the the kid, you know, says that this is a lie and that it's already too late for... It's too late. The process already I'm started. You, yeah, because now ACS will provide that child a lawyer, a case of activated. They're going to say, well, everything will be done according... As soon as fact-finding that we know that these incidents are non-founded, in the meantime, this child will be placed under foster care or mm. kinship care until fact-finding. And parents will get arrested. This is family court. I'm not even talking about criminal court. Mm-hmm. And I have friends and colleagues that I work with um, criminal court system in the Bronx and also in Manhattan because some of the fathers I work with, they were referred to me by the Manhattan and the Bronx criminal court because of allegations of um, domestic issues. And any time when it has to do with domestic, whether it's conflict or violence, um, the criminal case also gets involved along with the family. So the moment that any allegation that comes about of anything that was um, harm, and um, the term will be like endangered, child endangerment, um, their parents will be either arrested, put in holding, depending if you have bail or whatever, um, until further notice. And sometimes the children will be either in the foster care system or in uh, family kinship care. So at one time, I think there was an incident that um, a, a friend of mine was dealing with um, child abuse. I think it was because of this over-argument. And the, this child was given to a, a foster care family home in the Bronx um, apparently, you know, there was no other kinship care or foster care for this child that could have been, you know, at least culture sensitive to a Chinese family. Mm. And they were fighting. And um, I didn't get to the detail of the case, but somehow, you know, because of what happened to the father and the mother, um, the Chinese child ended up, you know, in Bronx with a Jewish family where there was certain things that we were, you know, my friend was advocating for to make sure that this child was getting all the right services. But was that child 
legitimately abused? See, you also have to remember the definition of abuse in context of how in the, the way in the way used. we so here's what happens we think or most people would if, think like actually if getting I'm hit in the Bronx or if I'm in the community to say well uh, I'll call the police and the woman would say he put my hands on me the definition of that term if you're in a black and brown or even in an ethnic community if you put my hands on you that is their definition is this person physically abused but a lot of times if you have a very very expensive lawyer that you can say well you know that can mean just about anything mm -hmm. so and if the child says yes um you know mom hurt me or mom my mom hit me or spanked me that's considered assault even though corporal punishment is not considered illegal but how they wanted to deal with the case they have, you know, the ACS or CPS, or, which is Child Protective Services, they can determine, you know, how to use the, whatever methods or whatever their decision to determine whether this was or not. So how long is the punishment usually for? Like, they take away your kid for, what, a year or? Depends on the case. Depends on. Well, for that, for that um, kid that ended up with the Jewish family. It lasted for a long time, more than a year. I don't have the detail to it right now, but you can you can Google the news. I'll you know I'll leave that on, off the side for, for this for now, but mm -hmm. I'll I'll let you know the yeah. information yeah. out of, of this you know um, the interview. But um, the person that I was advocating for, just to let you know, um, that was Colin Chan. He was advocating for the for this child. There was a case that advocating was for this child for, for what? Basically, to make sure that she gets the services and culturally competent and culturally appropriate services mm -hmm. for this, you know, for the child that was... But she's a different case. I mean, it sounds like she was actually dealing with some issues at home. But not... You know, and the like, thing we is... We were talking about, like, yeah, cell phone technology but being restricted. To, yeah, but also had to remember the fact that, you know, um, this also goes with the same thing as far as how the child, still with the cell phone tech, how they go about seeing it through the school system... And even with, with you know, early the conversation that led to that was how the kids in school these days during that particular age range and how they talk to teachers, uh, systems and, you know, mandated reporting, um, the fact that how also Chinese-Asian uh, parents discipline our children that can lead into that situation. So I also want people to be aware of the fact that Yes, culturally, it was interesting because a lot of my fathers that I didn't work with, um, they said, I grew up, you know, um, back in Dominican Republic, Puerto Rico. They made me kneel on rice. I says, my, my <laughs> second grade teacher made me kneel on rice. Was with this a books, Catholic? With books in my hands. And all of that. So that right there if you do that to your child now as a form of discipline i'm going to use the word discipline and not punishment yes that will get your ass into holding for 24 hours and possibly in jail a little bit longer if you don't have proper legal representation okay how about something more tame like holding a book above your head um see, is that is that considered corporate punishment legally if you are somebody with a good lawyer the definition is dosage, right? 
I can spank. How hard and how angry that day and how many times have you spanked? That determines the abuse. So if you don't have, uh, how do you articulate? If you're somebody that's not educated in your mind, you know, I don't know, like, yeah, I, I hit my daughter. And really, and then, of course, if ACS lawyer for the child, they're going to dig into that, knowing that, oh, shit, you know, this guy, he's not that educated. Let's go in and in there and find out exactly how bad did you. Is that, but is that a legitimate uh, investigation you, or is that more prejudice? If you make the kid hold it for two hours, yeah. you're going to jail. Because <laughs> I can't even, you know, I can't even hold a book now for you know, 15, 10 minutes. I mean, let's face it, for, for somebody that's not physically fit, mm-hmm. depending on, and by the way, what size book? Oh, two phone, or, you know, the dosage is what people are looking for. Yes, I spanked my child. What because did you spank? I went, I went that was to a very common I went discipline method for yes, Asian But you, know, you also Asian have people. to yeah. remember that's for common. And it's common for, I don't know about this day and it probably not, but back in the day in Catholic school, you get like, I got yardstick. I got spanked. You got slapped, yardstick. Yes. We had to put our hands back in the air for like right. over an hour. We'd be dropping when, the, <clears throat> when they're not looking. Get whacked. And then we had to put our hands back up when, when they are looking. And it's, now it that causes emotional trauma. Mm-hmm. Because if you do it in front of your class, you just humiliated that child. Mm-hmm. See, here's and I, there's you know because a lot of things they can lay into that the legal language. Do you consider that abuse? And see, I have to look at each and every one of these on a case by case because you can't have a cookie cutter for each and every family that you have to deal with. It there will be a time when a person could be calm and collect. Well, and there will be a day you come back, you had a rough day and you're going to carry that emotional anger. And I had that happen because I actually teach parenting class that you come back angry and your child never had that experience because you always come back happy with your kid. And the kid just want to run to your leg and grab you and give you a hug. And the first thing you do, that emotion transferred over. And the first thing you do is just grab that kid and say, Get out of my way. And you realize it's too late because mm. when you have that emotion that is still in you, it'll still bleed to it. And then, you know, normally your kid will be perfectly normal just to run up to you and jump on you. But the moment at that very moment when that happens with your child, that in that frame of mind, that was an aggression from another person. The first thing you're going to do, you're going to go and rage your eyeballs bulges out. I was like, what are you doing? And you knock. And the only time that'll stop you is when you see the water that comes out of your kid's eyes. Because, like, kids. That's innocent. trauma. That's trauma. I know, but a parent that'll do that. It, that's, and, that's, no, but see, like, the thing is, when you, get, when you just get, issues. you know, when you just get all of a sudden, I don't know, you got fired or you, you lost your account mm-hmm. or somebody did something really and, and you did not decompress. Mm. And that's the situation a lot of time when parents come home. If there's a note, if there's not a decompressed face, especially when you have young children that don't expect you to be in that emotional state of mind, that right there, that incident. But to grab and physically assault your child, just no, because- it's not assault. It's just that you know, it's like get away from me because you're still in that emotion. 
you kind of don't know. Okay, yeah, that, that that's understandable, yeah. and it happens. But then, but then, child then services what? will try to separate because you if from that child bruises and goes to school. But that's the thing. If you if you're in that state and you like, there's no excuse for bruising your child they, like they that. Don't Even if care. you're, they don't care. It's an accident no. But I, I think or, that's abuse stuff. You're if you're hitting your kid to the point of bruising. Right, no, it's it could be an accident. That kid didn't do thing. anything wrong. It's just you're having a shitty day, so you want to put your shit on someone well, else. Joe's that's taking, smaller than well, you. Well, what Jay, I'm Joe's saying is, you didn't example, hit him. You just example. like kind of grab and pull your kid yeah, away. And, but you still bruised him. It's a different in that situation. Way. Oh, damn, my, you grab, daughter, how hard are you grabbing your kids yeah, with them when, eagle claws? You know and, what I'm saying? Like you don't grab a kid like that. No matter how angry you are, you have no idea. Somebody, if you have anger issues, you're a grown ass adult male. Like that's crazy. You have to understand. Then that person Each needs person. to check themselves. Yeah, that person mm-hmm. needs to go through therapy, and maybe yeah, they, they need some time apart from their children so that they and won't ever do that again. There are because you do that once, you may feel bad later on when you decompress. But if you never learn how to control your anger, you're going to do that twice, three times, and then eventually you're going to think it's normal. It's going to become normalized. And there will be times that it only takes that one. Because I remember when it takes a second to lose trust. My daughter fell out of a chair and she bruised her shoulder. So we took her to the doctor. The only thing that doctor was looking for Mm -hmm. was to see if her injuries was accident. And he was asking me because at the time that particular area where I was staying, he asked every single question that was leading to did I cause it cause right. it right that's good that's great that the hospital does it they but did you the also thing. have to remember there are certain people you know like that grown ass did, did they wait for you to get they, out of the room no they had to that? ask me they, asked, they literally when he checked all the you know the, her bruises because mm-hmm. it was and it's like so what did you do how did, you, how did that happen but if you happen to be in you know certain demographic Yo, man, why'd you ask? Why you accuse me? And there are people that don't like to be accused of something that they didn't do. They and have to ask questions. Yeah. They don't know you. Like, and it's, you know what and I mean? it's, it's right hard thing. for individuals that don't like to be asked those uncomfortable questions. I remember going into Newport. I think I mentioned it one time. It, going into Newport Mall when my daughter was younger, when she had, you know, in a sundress, her color... Her, you know, oh, people her, were asking you. Are it you was her a daughter? police officer yeah. at the New Jersey Mall, and right, this right. guy was basically because I my hair was longer, you know, I had my bike outfit and whatever, and my daughter, you know, as she looks more Caucasian, she was in a sundress and her hair was, you know, when I walked down the, the mall, and basically they approached me thinking I was that was not my daughter. Mm-hmm. What am I doing with this? So I had to anticipate. The answers that you know, and I already knew. So, when that all that happened, everything got de-escalated. But I do know when I first saw it, the officers approached me. Both of them basically unsnapped the button on the sidearm holster. I saw everything that was like the scenario, what was about to happen if I was actually the child, you know, because obviously because of the physical appearance. I look nothing like my did, daughter. Did they come up to you respectfully? Respectfully. I don't have a problem with I that. I mean, if, there's, yeah. if you're saying they went if it's for to protect children, no, yeah, basically they went, they went and the first thing, you know, they went after was, and they start asking, 
and then I love that they're doing their jobs from the doctor um, asking your daughter those questions. That's a good good mentality. And the the police officers, because they were respectful. It's Mm -hmm. not like they straight up disrespected you. They wanted to make sure first because uh, to, to, they're, they're trying to protect the child. If you're in Chinatown or if you're in the Harlem or if you're the hub in the Bronx, how do you think those men would react? I think, you have I to think it depends. I think it depends on, on every individual person. Exactly. If, if that person feels like they're being disrespected, mm-hmm. if someone's coming at them too aggressively, then they might have a negative reaction to that. If that person's coming up to them respectfully and... And let's say they have a bad experience with the police officer in the past, and they and don't trust the them. And those are the ones. Then they I'm may wondering. they they may have a, a serious reaction to that. Because I saw their face, the emotions on their face first. Because a mm-hmm. lot of times you have to remember, you're a parent first before you wear the uniform, so right. you know exactly what a child predator or whatever you want to call it is capable of doing. So mm-hmm. when the first thing they see. A picture that's not right. Mm-hmm. They're gonna go into that because what if what if their headline reads, "Police officers saw something that was strange mm-hmm. that didn't quite fit." You know, it, was, it, it looked something that was kind of unusual, and they find out that this guy was actually kidnapping this girl, right? And they say they they just saved a, the, a, a little know. girl's life mm-hmm. instead of worrying about going coming up someone right. and just making sure everything's okay respectfully and letting you go on your way. You know, they could have been like, if I'm, if I was a police officer and I let someone go, next thing there's a headline: a girl's been kidnapped. She was at this mall, and I was like, shit, I saw it. My instinct says something. I just didn't do it because whatever reason, you know, I wanted to be polite. You know, it 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 would eat me really bad than me just checking politely and saying, hey, is everything okay here? Then I'm like, everyone agrees it's all good. Then I'm, you know, I'm sorry. Have a great day. You know, do what you got to do. Uh, and when, I literally have to teach that. Yeah, my my wife, she was she fell, got a bruise on her face. Right. We went to the we went to the hospital. When I stepped out, the doctor and nurse asked her questions like, "Hey, is your husband? Did, yes, exactly. Is, is he is it he being? You tell us now. Same he's, he's, scenario. And, it's, it's, yeah. and they were very direct questions. Straight very up. Very direct. Straight, straight up, off the bat. Like, because as be, soon as I... And, and they were so nice to me. Right there. They're like, hey, before, that, before you left me. In, in, before I left... I, I, didn't, I would not have seen it coming. No, by the way, it's these, are, some these, gangster are all, shit, like, you know, these are all trained yeah. techniques to how Absolutely. to do that. But I did notice the nurse did look at me with suspicion. Hmm. Right? She was just straight up like... Right off the bat. This... This mf'er, mm. let me let me find out, you know, kind of. Um, so I did get that vibe, but I was I was more concerned about my wife. I was like, right. "Hey, is she gonna be okay?" This and that. And then I was like, "All right, I'm gonna go step out." I stepped out. They both stepped in, asked her all these questions. But you, you tell had us you had no idea that they, not until I came back and she was she started laughing. She's like, "Well, I could have got you arrested." I was like, "Well, I was like, aha, what happened?" Do you see how fast she said that? I could have got you. She goes, just like that. She goes, but jokingly, she was like, she was like saying, like, oh, they asked me this, that, and the third, see if you were abusive. I was like, I saved your life. I was like, it was the opposite. They don't care. She started because the first thing, there could be. Yeah. Initially, I I was defensive. I was like, yo, what the? Exactly. You see what happens? That's what you're going to be doing. And then then I thought about it, you know, just just like the reflexively. I'm just like, how dare you accuse me? Like, I'm not. 
And you're then, feeling it now exactly yeah, what's, yeah. what I'm trying to explain. But then the next second, I was like, no, that's great. Yeah. That's great because if, if I happen to be that type of person that, you know, would pick on someone smaller than me and then they're in a hospital, it's a great opportunity for them to get some help outside of that situation. So I, I, I love this. There's, there's a lot I, of, you know, that domestic issue going on even during the pandemic. And it was the sad part because mm. sometimes even the perpetrator had to end up staying home because of the quarantine. But, you know, that happens. And even with, as we speak with the children and how things are happening, whether it's real or not real, a lot of people don't like that feeling of being accused. Because right. if I'm innocent. But get over yourself. Yeah. It's not about you. Well, that's it's about, yeah. see, it's about saving lives, right? It's about saving children or saving women or saving people that just need that help. Understanding that. It's not about trying is, to, you know, in my case, it, it wasn't about me, even though I that, felt like it was about me. But for that me. moment. But it's not about me. Felt, get over it. But for that moment, you felt that. The, of course. The, the, of course. the accusation yeah. that. How dare you even yeah, try to... I would to, never touch a woman. Yeah. Like, I would never and, and touch someone that I love. Just like think that. of somebody that didn't have that um, calm logic and take it a little bit But further. wouldn't that prove their case even more if someone doesn't have that calmness about them? Wouldn't they go, whoa, if you're so violently reactive off of something like this, maybe something is I, wrong with you. you. Know, that that kind of just reinforces their assumption. I've seen people get mad, but not to a point where, you know like an anger issue to people, but sometimes people, just, you also have to remember where your level of your calmness and your logic. Right. But here's the thing. Case. If they came up to me like, hey, you don't belong. What are you doing? How come this and that? And right away started acting like... And then that's also on them. Like I'm guilty they're, they're before not being proven. properly trained right. to control that situation. Then I'm going to have a and different reaction. Way, certain ACS... Like they would take advantage of the domestic violence and use those techniques as a trigger right right to how to trigger the other person to see you yeah you see your honor that's the person that i'm trying to tell you and meanwhile that individual does not have an angry bone but they know how to hit your button how to ride them up get that out to say your honor there he is. All right, let's shift and gears here. Um, it's just heavy. You mentioned something about you're some about crime. We have a new mayor in New York City. Um, a lot of people would say it's anything would be improvement of the prior mayor. Uh, what are your thoughts? And okay, as of tomorrow, one hundred days, I will give this person, Mister Adams, an F minus. He failed. My he camp. totally failed. So you think you think he's worse than the Blasio? Or if you uh I'm looking at the camera. If you beat the crap out of him, he would be the Blasio. What? What what do you mean? Like That's a street joke. If you beat the crap out of Adams, he yeah. would be the Blasio. Damn. Yeah, yeah, Is my yeah. joke that bad? No. <laughs> I don't think we can see that on camera, but you're saying he's he just as bad the, as him, but not as ugly. Version two point zero two two. They're besties. I heard. I heard that they were very cozy at this like government getaway. They were like buddy buddy. The one in Puerto Rico. Yeah, yeah. One, one in Puerto Rico. So yeah. and, uh, it was a. I think it was a Democratic and, convention. Um, mm, yes. Re, the, you know, DNC. 
the reason, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things that um, they, I didn't vote for him. Mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, I voted. For, it was not a good choice. For Curtis? I, w- I was hoping that this would be, for Curtis, it would be like a Giuliani redo. We had Curtis on the podcast. Uh, I, I met him the one time that when um, when we were on Times Square, when we were doing the uh, the, the, the Virgil. It was an anti, I think for Christine or whatever it was. I, and right. I actually shook his hand and said, I voted for you. I was hoping that he would be like the Giuliani 2.0. Because what happened was during the time when Giuliani got voted into the office, a lot of people don't understand how the hell he got into the office. But I also know being, you know, working up in, in, in Harlem and the Bronx for the last 13 years, all the seniors... Um, the black and brown grandparents and the grandmothers, they said, you know what? It's not a matter of liking him. We needed somebody to clean the streets. I'm tired of seeing my kids in the neighborhood getting shot at. Nobody wants to, you know, blame. You know, it's like those guns did not come into my neighborhood for any reason. The people who are killing my kids, they look like me. And these are all seniors. Well, look, the look, look who's the, grandparents. the 61-year-old grandma that got shot. Right. And the situation and, and is... And where was that? In the Bronx? Uh, no, hang on. Uh, I'm looking at the camera right now. You're eight years as a borough president in Brooklyn. And these are all happening in your borough that you were borough president for eight years. All right? So the thing is, if you've been the borough president in Brooklyn and you know your Brooklyn borough, unless you live in Newark, you know, the other apartment that you allegedly claimed that you're living in, why... Haven't you have a strategy that you've been looking at for eight years before you plan to be a mayor? Okay, let's let, let's let's pull this back That's, a little bit. Uh, let's talk about uh, homelessness. Yes, I mean you see people doing drugs, uh, shooting up their arms, and this was very reminiscent of the nineties, but and the seventies. Yeah, so one and the eighties, right? So when when I walk around Seventh Avenue now, New York City, there's they cleaned it up. So I was actually on my block. My block was like most recently, yes, a lot of homeless people. But I was there a couple of weeks ago and there was no homeless. So I don't know if it was the policies it absolutely that, is. that have filtered all the homeless you, from the street. You but see I, I the police know. officers actually I, removing yeah. um, them from the encampment that they set up but on the street. The and, and the truth is it's dangerous because you get... You know, people that are, and I understand these people need a place to live and and uh, shelter and whatnot and care, and they're afraid of going into these, into some of these homeless shelters because um, they're saying that in itself is is just like a glorified jail. They feel they don't feel safe there, but at the same time, you can't be hanging on the sidewalk because people that are walking by, they don't feel safe either because of what what's been happening with all these innocent people been been attacked by quote unquote homeless people with mental illnesses. Is he sweeping the homeless to another area because it's not he's not fixing it. What you just said right there, the shelters are not safe. Period. So this you have to remember the source of the problem. The Department of Homeless Services. There is a department. So Everybody knows, every single human social services and every single community-based organization, nonprofit organization that advocate for homeless, they all know the homeless shelters are not safe. So why don't the mayor go to the Department of Homeless Services and look at the department? Why aren't your shelters safe? Why 
are you not hiring proper security? Why are your protocols not being looked at? Why are you not reevaluating? I understand all that, but the streets aren't safe right now. A lot of people don't feel safe being around the streets. And before we can fix that problem, I think you have to fix the problem of the crime right. going so up year over year. That's one layer of the situation. And it appears that he is taking steps, and I'm trying to be unbiased here, Okay, right? But it appears that he is trying to put in steps to reduce the crime rate in New York City so that people will feel safe coming back. People are going back into the office. People are coming back from other areas where they left for the pandemic. But mm-hmm. a lot of people still haven't. Shootings involved with illegal firearms majority of happened in Brooklyn in his own backyard where he was the borough president for the last eight years. So we're also dealing with areas that um, within the local communities where all the crime rates are now shooting with teenagers with illegal firearms. And as an ex-police retired NYPD officer, he should have at least know how to handle certain situations with gangs and gun violence and where innocent people right now are being, you know, killed or harmed or injured doing crossfire that has nothing to do with them. But didn't he set up a meeting with President Biden where he's asking for support and help to limit and restrict the, the trafficking of guns into New York City? That's looking at the outside of Venn diagram. Right now, wouldn't you want to get rid of the existing guns and the illegal criminals with these guns in your city? How many captains can come up to you and talk to the police commissioner and say, this is my precinct, 68 Brooklyn, as an example. I have X amount of this. I have officers on the street. I've seen gang activities. If you're going to be you know, working with crime, and working with districts. The first thing wouldn't you want to do is go to the precinct in that area with the highest crime and ask the captain of that precinct, what are your men, what are your officers, not men, what are your officers are doing? Wasn't there a big gang raid in the Bronx recently where they arrested a bunch of folks? I thought the MS-13 was the Long Island thing that happened with all of that. No, no, I think there was a big gang raid in in the Bronx They were collecting guns off of that. Yeah. Um, I mean, I I, I just, the stuff that I'm seeing, I just think that, yes, it sucks that crime is, is up and that people are afraid to even go to work. Okay. I, I, I get that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think it's Mayor Adams' fault. As of now, I mean, it's only been I'm not saying three it's months. His fault. I'm also got to say is that I think the whole. I think an F minus yeah. is very harsh. I mean, three months and, is and not you, that long. You're asking yeah. me. You're asking me for my. You know, this yeah, of is course, my, of course. The reason why I said that saying, was a, the fact harsh. that when he came in and he came into Chinatown and he was in Brooklyn or all the other Chinatowns, and he made all of these. You got to remember, it was what he said to get the Chinese and the Asian votes, and then the next thing to find out, everything else. I didn't give him the F overall because of that. I also gave him the F because of what 
is happening to the jail in Chinatown. Mm. I gave him the F is what's did happening. Did he say what did he say about the mega jail? He said that he wasn't going to build it, that he was going to stop it. And also not to mention the fact that on the the anti Asian hate thing. So what are your thoughts on Mayor Adams? Well, I'll give Mayor Adams a C minus. I mean, you know, he's just been in office for a hundred days. You know, he had the you know on the platform, he he wanted to, you know, address anti Asian hate. He wanted to address homelessness. Um, he did implement some policies that looks like it's going towards um, remedying or finding a solution towards those things. So um, he still but, has time. He still has time. Why a C minus? Why two grades down? Two grades down because he's not. Well, he hasn't uh, complete. He didn't. He hasn't. Isn't that up? You're giving him. Up right because I'm the down. I'm F well. I'm, I'm starting from an A. a. Oh, oh, okay. damn! I, I don't I'm, think I'm, I'm looking at it well, from I, an Asian grading uh, system. Well, <laughs> well, I don't think off the jump right, he could get. A. I don't think off the jump he can get an A. You know, so he he can't start off as an A because why not? He could have a terrific 100 days. The honeymoon period, everyone could but, fall in love. Right, but he didn't. Barack you know? Obama, his first three months, everybody was giving him A's. Yeah, but I guess we're coming right? from we're, we're coming from our. Lens right as okay. part of the Asian community. I gave Giuliani a B plus. Giuliani yes. first hundred days. You have to remember, I didn't even like the guy. It was not mad. This is like you know, like I, you know, Godfather would say, "Yo, this is not personal. This is business." Mm. And he did. It wasn't personal. What he it was, was yeah. He did what he. I voted for him because I wanted a mayor that can get things done. Mm. I don't want a mayor that can just talk about getting things done. Mm. Ooh. I would much prefer somebody with a with an overall with a tool belt and just okay. get so in you there. So you feel you feel Mayor Adams is all talk, no action so far for but the hundred days. Do you think Do you think he's facing a lot of bureaucracy within internally because he can't get these things in in, in place? You're the mayor. Get it done. Do the Johnson. You ever heard of that? <laughs> you, uh, when they call Lyndon Bain Johnson, they when he did the Johnson treatment, there was it was actually called. The Johnson treatment. The president, Lyndon B. Johnson. Yes. If you're going to be in the position of power and authority, if you have power over the police commissioner, he does have power over the, you know, the police commissioner runs all the rank and file in every single precinct in all four boroughs. So you don't like what she's doing? She's got here. I can't, it's, it's objective when it comes to law and order. You can't just, yo, you, you know, you just can't do that. But the bottom line is, he himself as a retired police officer, as a captain, 20 years in the city, he knows the ins and outs of NYPD. He knows the ins and outs of 1PP. Yet, don't you think if he's going to plan to be a mayor, he's one got- 1PP as being one police, one police plaza. plaza. Don't you think he would have at least a strategy to say, oh, by the way, when you vote for me for as a mayor, as an ex-police retired NYPD officer- here are my plans of action, plans of action, not talks of bullshit. So do you feel the people in the Asian community aren't really embracing him? Like they would they were grade him in a similar, I they, guess, fashion from an were, F to a C? They were hoping that he would provide solutions for the Asian community and also to give, you know, to keep his word um no because the bottom line is his agenda is you know pretty much like everything in the media so far everything is you know the narrative in the city is is like black and brown black and brown 
and even the Rainbow neighborhood was being neglected when there was certain, you know, I think um, candidates that he hired that have issues with the LG, you know, LTGBQ. And, you know, being my color yellow, I'm part of that rainbow. And, and the thing is, we're being, you know, overlooked. And we promise, you know, the, I guess the Asian Chinese Democratic, you know, association, basically when we gave an, uh, the endorsement to vote for him, we expect, you know, some type of follow through with the promises. Something like that. So you feel like it was just empty promises to obtain the Asian vote? Uh, I'm going to use a, a phrase somebody else used. We got bamboozled. Ooh. And we you got, feel, we and got it, bamboozled. That's, that's how they feel about it? Yes. I live in Chinatown. And, 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 you know, a lot of what they can say and a lot of the hoopla, whenever they do the, you know, the horse and pony show, when he comes in with that red me knob and the, and the red tong jong or whatever, Yes, I'm for the you know Chinese. Can, can you translate that for those that don't speak Cantonese? Um, he was, I think it was like an Asian. It was a Lunar New Year yeah, parade or New, celebration, he came in and he just, you know, wanted to be culturally competent and wearing that. Um, but he's well. a politician, of course he's gonna. Course he's he not is. gonna come in and, well, and try know, to look out of place. Even politicians <clears throat> deliver. You know, sometimes. Words are just words, empty words, but uh, at least in good faith, do something. So how would a Mayor Adams to you, because it's only been 100 days, right, make that shift from grading him to an F to a B minus? Well, i like to see him coming out to that protest Monday about the mega jails doing a demolition. Uh, I also want him to, you know, try to work with some of the advocacy to make sure that, you know, any time when immediately when uh, somebody attacked on somebody in Brooklyn, immediately identified as an anti-Semite hate crime, when you have Asians clearly known that they were assaulted based on that, uh, words were used, and they still have not considered those crimes against these Asians as a hate crime. Why do, they, why do you feel like <clears throat> attacks against other cultures, they take more seriously? Political influence over it because it's amazing a lot of times when you hear the news automatically immediately oh this person is like anti-semitic and it's like no the person you know, i mean if you just look at the person the only i i don't know what you know at that particular time that particular victim whether it was a yarmulke or the way his hairdress or whatever it was but if somebody yells out you know you're fucking chinko by the china and you get beat up yeah that's a hate crime but they still legally under the language they did not classify these, you know, these acts of violence as an anti-Asian hate crime. So, you know, what is going on with that? Um, that's the other thing, you know, right now with the city, the way how the language is being used on the attacks. And on you feel victims. you feel Mayor Adams can make a difference? Well, he's the mayor of the city. If anything else, you know, he should at least let these, uh, you know. These criminals, you know, the law system, the judicial system is like, listen, uh, what's her name? Tissa James, the attorney general, whatever it yeah, is, the AG. of all of that. Uh, you know, you come out and you say these things, yet any time when, you know, the arrests were made or the, the media, and they don't identify it. And, and sometimes the victims, uh, you know, their race is not identified, yet it's amazing that the person 
didn't even know automatically it was an anti-Semite, but that's immediately identified. Attack in Brooklyn, right? Yeah. Uh, someone was just punched with no words exchanged, and they automatically the charged them with a hate crime. It was mm -hmm. anti whereas, whereas Asian, when they go like, F you, you, you know, yeah, yeah. C word and all this other stuff, and... Uh, and the media just, like basically the uh, way it was written. I don't know if that's a hate crime. And it was not written. You know? <laughs> to your news? point, I, I do understand that frustration because I'm there watching the news like, he just called them this, that, and the third. Have somebody like Safon, uh, which is, you know, an Asian reporter or Lucy Yang or, or even somebody, who, you know, yeah. uh, another Chan from Channel 11. Yeah. If they have, and somehow they try to not have them report these in, you know, Wait, they're trying to have them not report? I, I don't see it. A lot of times, it's, it's usually Safe Final is probably the only one that really go out there and go after these. But most of the time... Was that Safe on Kim with what, uh, Kim. Eyewitness News? Is I he think with? so, yeah. Because yeah. you know, I'm on the social media page and I'm like, yeah, yeah. see him a lot often. And he's really up there with that. But at the same time, there's a lot of stuff that's going on. You know, even that last incident. Yeah, he does during, a great job with yeah. that stuff. He really does. His reporting so is... That's is, the other thing that, you know, with the city that bothers the hell out of me when it comes to these reporting, the language of what the media and, and the journalists would use and, and how they interpret these incidents or these acts of violence against... Do you think the, you know, these media organizations get a lot of pressure from um, the law enforcement to kind of tone down maybe tone down the, the language i don't think the law enforcement has any I, say to I, that i don't think it's that i think it's more, more like the mayor's office because the mayor office handles the media because when you do press conferences mm. just like the white house if trump says don't broadcast this give me that one over there the new york city has their own media press office mm -hmm. that's the mayor that's city hall they control the media as well so yes if you're the mayor of New York City, you get to control the media. You control the police commissioner. You also have, you know, words with your New York City criminal justice system. So he's the city, the mayor of New York City. So, mm -hmm. you know, if he has to act in the power to fire a, a police commissioner who runs his police force, yeah. He has every responsibility to make sure that his PC, the police commissioner, to say, your district, your precinct right now has the highest uh, crime against, uh, you know, blacks, or you're in the Bronx right now. All of these shootings with these students over here is, you know, whatever. Why are there so many shootings in your precinct? You that know, there's, is, there's a lot of people leaving New York yes. City. A and lot of people have left um, these these blue states to go into red states because they're just tired of the politics here. Because, you know, you have to remember a lot of people are very, you know, this is like the Chris Rock thing. There are things that I'm liberal. There are things that I'm conservative. At my age right now, law and order, I am extremely conservative when it comes to law and order. I don't want my daughter to get jacked mm. up i don't want my children to have go to school and say you fucking chink i'm gonna beat the shit out of you because you know you're china virus or mm. you know whatever because right now you know ukrainians are feeling it the russians are in, in new york city is feeling the ukraine thing i have friends who speaks russian but you know there's ukrainian the business is dying because they blame it on american russians you know is you, that you, racist mm. 
Is that racist to do that? To, no, it's just being ignorant. To, to blame Russians, the American Russians that are in New York City. No, or some of these, for example, the certain restaurants that are Russian owned. Yeah. The Ukrainian restaurant, but they're Russian. I feel like people are just turned off from that. Mm-hmm. You know, and like it just people just look at the front cover, right? Because yeah. I would too. If I'm walking by and I see, uh, you know, it says Russian restaurant, Russian right? tea room, right? But yeah, they their and business like, has been down, and people has been prejudiced towards um, Russian owned business going so. to that. Yeah. So here's yeah, the patronizing exam. that yeah. people have been prejudiced patronizing any of those um, type of businesses. And basically, they're but then they'll go their, to their a Ukrainian. Uh, restaurant, but it's mm-hmm. own is Russian owned. Yeah, is that what you, that's your point? Yeah, because uh, I mean, I yeah. live right by Little Ukraine. You know, right there in East Village where yeah, you yeah. hung out. But that the same thing is now you know how Chinese feel in New York City. We're not in mm-hmm. China, so when you call the China virus and you won't come into my Chinatown, which is in Manhattan, we're not China. So now the Ukrainians and the Russians in New York is feeling what we were going through. That type of prejudice, that type of ignorance. It's the ignorance yeah. of the fact that, oh, you're Russian. But you. even that, you see what we just did there? Like, we also pin, like play the game with China and say that's their fault. You know, there's a lot of people in China, the Chinese citizens there are like, hey, man, mm-hmm. like, I'm, I didn't start this shit. Like, I didn't do this. Like, I just, I just live here and you're, and you're making exactly. me guilty. Like, I didn't, you know what I mean? Like, I just work yeah. here in this fish market. I just, I just... I just work here in this Apple store and, and you guys hate me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's there's something strange about that, right? I, I just don't, I, it's weird. It's and weird. It goes up. Like we do it to ourselves. That's it's human it, nature, it I think. That's, yeah, it is. Right? And, we just want to throw everybody yeah. in one bucket and say, fuck you, yeah. if you is or if you're not. We, we're just trying to make sense of it. And while doing that, we don't, we're not making any sense of it. Not mm-hmm. at all. We're, sim- we're oversimplifying something that is a much complicated issue. But it's not, you can't just go and just say all Russians are bad or all Chinese people have, have some type of weird virus that originates. You know, it's just, it's a strange way of thinking that's highly well, incorrect. We had that with the SARS. Oh, the Hong Kong flu. As oh damn, you know they, you know, and 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 that's the sad part when it comes to the ignorance of individual. And when people get now, they know what it feels like to be in jail. When you were quarantined for over a year, you're stuck inside with people, even with your own family, and you get even angrier because you now know what people in prison feels like. You were locked up when you were in quarantine. You were little. The only luxury we had was we didn't have, you know isolation or whatever we were still able to walk but for that one full year of quarantine when we're like literally locked up america don't like to be locked we're we're a race of freedom loving and people forget that 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 there were so there were certain types remember they call a state of emergency they had the guards come in they had curfews implemented. We were and in they a militarized were, zone. They, they mm. were stripping people. People forget that they have a short memory that they actually, they say, oh, I could never be like that in these communist countries. But it happened and guess here. guess what happened here for that one You year. got, yeah, there was curfews here. You couldn't go out unless yeah. you did this, this, that. Like there were just so many parameters that they put and out. just think of what you were in the red state when you're a gun-loving dude like me living in some red state. They didn't do that in the red state, so it was very normal. They tried, because the rest, I mean, when I went to Poconos, and there's still people now, even like last year, masks, don't need no stinking. Yeah, I have friends mm-hmm. in the red state, and they were like, 
I, I was checking in their agent. I was like, yo, you, you, you okay? This was when COVID was I was very concerned. And they're like, well, I don't know. The news is kind of hyping everything. We're pretty normal here. Florida, they caught it. And I also have relatives that like, that was like by far one of the worst place to be in. Mm-hmm. But yo, everyone that, caught that it. initial stage. Most people that I know has caught COVID. And I've been in New York the whole time. Once again, you know, that goes back to local medical where they want to politicalize that virus, whether they want to sensationalize it, keyboard warriors from the red state or whatever, conspiracy theorists, whatever. And CDC was even having issues because the person that was in charge of the nation at the time was literally using his brute force. No, you will not say this or whatever. You can't say this. And it was difficult for us to watch at the time when you see, you know, Dr. Fauci was being shut down. And well, then when, he, yeah, when, he was flip-flopping a lot. He was sending yeah, mixed messages. Yeah. He said, remember he said masks are useless? I mean, th- there were a lot of... But there's a lot of reasoning Unless you're wearing the N95, he said, he said don't buy it. It's because he didn't want to overbuy, you know, the population to overbuy and, and cause a short supply in the, for the hospitals. I mean, that's okay. So let me So that's not a good excuse. That's, I mean, I'm sorry. That's not good enough because you took away your credibility. Now it you does, did that. It does. How can I trust anything that now you tell me I need masks when you tell me I was, didn't? And that's exactly what happened during that time. So where now you're sending you're the, sending mixed yeah, messages. Where the, where the so you get a group basically so discrediting any, practically every single department that's what i'm saying so well, what if you up in the beginning so what if he meant doesn't well mean right? that's not true wearing a mask doesn't help right yeah but then who's gonna decipher that who's gonna go oh he was really just doing some mental jujitsu he didn't want you to uh buy all the supply because we needed that for the hospitals right people Maybe are gonna come out be people honest are gonna, in the beginning and what and people saying, did like, is they took the real of him and i got a funny feeling contradicting himself coerced mm-hmm. not to say certain because there was a lot of time you just kind of noticed that you know he, you know that he was under duress, not because he couldn't speak. Because the other lady, there was another um, lady that was a, another doctor in the medical field. You, I mean, you know, you can literally just look at their expressions on their face during these press conferences that he was, you know, under duress to say, shut the fuck up. That's how I see it in his face. Because he wasn't like that as soon as the other guy came in the office. And, 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 and that's why... I think that's why a lot of people like Trump. I know that most of the, you know, certain coaches, they feel very strongly against them. But for all, it's like that yin and yang. Mm-hmm. But there's also that whole group that feels strongly for him. You'd be surprised how many because, Chinese in Chinatown loves him. All right. Even, even I know a lot of Hispanic people that love him. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I can't tell you, like. The older generation, like, yeah, because you know, it's the same. It. It's the same like, principle as the same individual. But that's because are. they feel like he's a breath of fresh air. They they feel like he's going to tell it how it is. He's a straight shooter, and there's a thing about that that even myself, like when I meet someone and you you immediately tell me who you are, and I believe you. It, it's refreshing. It's like all right, I don't have to deal with this like fakeness over the top, and well, you're just kind of like, <laughs> you know what I mean. But that's what people yes. think. They feel like. Like he is, he is he doesn't, who he is. He doesn't play around. He, he can't be bought. Back. Yeah, right. And and I'm just telling you, this is from the perspective of um, the people that we know. Yes, 
that love I, Trump. They I tell know, us why. Yeah, I know. But then I hear from the other side that people that come on the show and they and, and my friends also tell me the the reasons why they don't like Trump. And I respect both sides. I mean, I'm still friends with regardless of the politics. Same that doesn't here. make you a bad person. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of qualities, you know, in an individual where, like I said, you know, we're complex. There's there's no, you know, just absolutes of one side or the other. I mean, if you grow up knowing who he is as a New Yorker and all the, you know, as a businessman, everything that failed, what he had done, what he was capable of and all of that, that's one thing. But once again, if you're going to be the president of the United States, you're holding the title of the president of the United States and the commander in chief. It's not personal. You got a fucking job. Get it done. That's it. You're holding a position. You was, you know, you were elected to do a job. But if whoever the individual is, do not take advantage of your power authority to benefit, you know, to your own gain. I don't want to be a president later on to find out, oh, you know, when I do retire after four years, eight years, I want to make sure that this is in place for me and all of that. That's something else. But all I'm just saying is as a candidate, we voted you in because we want you to be there as to hold a position. You also want to add a lot of people thought that when Joe Biden and Kamala Harris stepped into office, that Asian hate would stop. They were so, I guess, looking forward for a change of leadership that and I, and I, and I said, why? And they said, oh, because of what he said against Asians and, and calling it the China virus. I was like, all right, I totally understand that. But let's let's not get it twisted here. They already hated us before yeah. any mention you of can't a, a use China Trump virus. as a blame for what yeah. things already happened it's, for and decades. And I'll tell you what: when Joe Biden comes in, they're still going to hate us, yeah, because they made up their mind. The like, momentum it, is there. It, you know, he didn't you know, put a floodgate yeah. to say stop. Like, like hold, Joe's, no I, more. I got breaking no. news for you. Like, even though Kamala's, a, I forget, she's a, what percentage she's Indian. But and she's Jamaican, and right. a lot of Black Americans did not vote for her because the fact that when she was, I guess, the judicial, whatever the lawyer was when she was in the West Coast, locally, a lot of the genuine African Black Americans know what she did, what she's capable of doing. What did but they say? Well, first of all, there was one particular incident that brought out when um, the Hawaiian um, senator, what's her name? She's um, a major in the army. I forgot her name now. She's from Hawaii. Um, when they were running the, the, the debate, there was a, a black man out in California when she was, I don't know, whatever her title, she was like a lawyer or whatever, prosecutor. She suppressed pre- you know, evidence that this man was innocent. He was about to be sent, I don't know, for death. Why did she do that? Political reasons or whatever it Pressure, is. Pressure, I guess. Did you, I don't know if you, if you remember that. there was Because one they era. wanted to win the case. Yeah. But that's, that's her job is to prosecute. But you don't get somebody, if you, you don't suppress it. You know, it was like, it was a serious case where this man was going to do some damage time and he was innocent. So whatever happened to him? Well, then when they found that out is, you know, she didn't like what happened. She kind of, I think she lost on that because somebody found out that she suppressed. And not only that, uh, the fact that uh, she was Jamaican. And there's also, this is a, a cultural thing between Jamaican blacks versus American blacks. There's, there's always, and the fact that the father neglected her and her Indian mother took care of her. 
So she has a thing about that, even though she went to an all-black college. So you think that because of that, she felt she feels more tapped into her Indian roots? It's interesting you said that because she didn't do much for the Indian community. Right, but the she, way you, you explain it... I mean, I'll, the way that... I would that's presume the explanation that she's tapped into there. it. It's exactly what happened and how the people that, you know, that her background have perceived her. This is not about me being how I feel. This is actually what's out there in the news of how the Indian, you know, population feel about her and how the fact that, you know, because the fact, her, you know, her Jamaican father, that Jamaican father side basically just kind of like totally disconnected but they still push to her because you know do you think that she feels some vigor against her own culture because of that um the jamaican side maybe not you know not as consider herself because you know many of us can if they want to politically they'll play they'll play the race cards the way they need to, to get votes some would say that she used her culture, the cards that she was dealt to her advantage? I would say, yeah, because I, I, you know, I do know there are certain prominent individuals that are Jamaican. Um, they see it, you know, and when she went to an all-black, African-American black college, you know, that when she was there, she tried to keep that side of it. But a lot of times, even though she was raised by her Indian mother, she was never close or associated with the Indian community. I'm okay with her embracing both sides of who she is. I I'm I mean, I'm Asian, I'm Chinese, mm-hmm. and when I grew up, I didn't really feel Chinese, whatever that's supposed to mean. I didn't hang out with Chinese people. You know, I didn't really do the typical things like that are quote unquote Chinese, Chinese right? Yeah. You know, where people would assume that stereotype fits i didn't do any of those things i was quite opposite which is why during i guess the first 15 years of my life i didn't have that many asian or chinese friends because um they looked at me as different not until i was later on i grew up as a teenager i made other asian friends but that's because i found others that were similar to me that where they also feel like they didn't belong in or has been outcast by your own community so perhaps if someone feels that way they'll just go out and kind of create their own lane i totally understand that too because you know the way she, she grew up you know as far as like even though she was raised by her and they were educated so she was predominantly with a black college so she's more closer I mean, if you're going to hang out with people that are closer to you, right. that you're comfortable with, which be a black college, and it'll be more like African American, a black American culture right. versus her Jamaican father, which is Jamaican, and then her strict Indian mother. So, right, you know, when she was, her upbringing is practically black America. I say, hey, get yeah. in where you fit in. And the thing is, and I'm also totally understanding. It doesn't matter how you look. Where you. My upbringing was pretty much the same thing. I think, you know, I've talked about it off and on before that when I first came, I'm an FOB. I'm a jokak. But um, I've been despised because they, people look at me, you don't have an accent. So they think that I was born here. But a lot of my friends who are Joksing, which is American-born Chinese, they know that I am an FOB. So it's uncomfortable for them sometimes. And this is, you know, during the late 60s and the 70s 
when there was a big rift in Chinatown between um, American-born Chinese versus the um, fresh-off-the-boat uh, overseas Chinese coming in. Whether you're from China or you're from Hong Kong, we were not the same because there was, you know, there were a little bit of indifferences between um, the people that were in Manhattan Chinatown. So, and myself growing up, um, you know, my friends, I, I hang out with people that, in, you know, that enjoys my company. And I grew up with um, my mentor, you know, Don, he's black, although my, you know, my aunt's Chinese, but that was from his previous marriage. Um, I had my health diet, you know, very healthy diet of soul music, jazz. I play basketball. Um, I embrace more American black culture than anything else. And even now where I work, where I'm more welcome and people, you know, and I, that's always the same. I say the same thing to my daughter. You know, when you go to a sandbox, if the kids play with you, play with them. That's what I love when I see that cultural diversity, but we're not even looking at color. It's like, I'm here, you look different and from me, but we have the same interests and the energy matches and we just have a good time. And that's all it is. Like I, There's something about that that's just, that to me just seems so mature. And then when we grow up somewhere along the lines, we become immature where we look at someone and go, well, I can't get along with you because your and, eyes and don't look like my eyes or your skin or your hair don't look like mine. I think that's crazy. Now, do you think it, that's because you kind of grow out of touch with, with because that, the world that fucks you up when you're born and, and this well, is well you separate you separate have, like you you grow with these people the, look the people in the community kid, that you're, I, I, you're around i'll tell you what you, and you and move away the joke is what do you mean no. by these people no. that's exactly my, how they're gonna i'll hit tell you what my, my daughter we had an argentinian uh friend who had a birthday party we went there there was russian kids argentinian Korean, Japanese, Indian, United Nations. It was it was yes. mixed of everyone. See, you say United Nations, my kids just look at that like other kids, other friends to play with. Mm. They didn't care. They didn't care what race. They didn't ask. Like when we're Until adults, we ask we these as parents stupid ass questions. Hey, what are you? What's your culture? What 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 are you? Huh? What do you do? What do you do? You know these kids are just running around. Yo, that's so cool. Let's. Play. How do you play this game? How do you do, you, do you want to do this? Yeah, let's do this. Let's have. And they were just having a blast. Somewhere along the lines, we forgot how to have fun, and we forgot how to connect with one another. We start asking fucking weird questions, like it fucking really matters because it doesn't. Hey, where are you from? Well, what are what do you do for a living? We we start asking, start psychoanalyze to try to see, try to. Get, what can you do for me? And the second thing is, let me try to understand you a little better by identifying where you culturally are from. Well, in America, I don't know if that's an accurate representation because people can be Chinese, they can be Mexican, they can be Filipino, wherever. They can be German, but from Germany, right? They can be white, but they could be from another country, from a European country. They can be Asian, but eight generations in. So does that really matter? You know, I watch all these kids play and, and it was just beautiful watching them exactly. play. None of them cared, man. They because had a great time. Kids. Let them have fun. And the part, how I feel about what you just, you know, said is sometimes I, I wonder if this political correctness and woke shit have fucked us up because to an extent. We're, we're trying yeah. to like put things in and want to be culturally 
sensitive? Why can't you just be people sensitive and just not be nice? And it's very simple. It's like a typical religion. Just don't be an asshole. No, that's it. Yeah. That's that's how simple religion like is. Don't be an asshole. I don't care. I mean, you know, you got a pierogi? Shit, that's a wonton over there. You got a ravioli? Is, is that a tortellini? I call that an Italian. It's an Italian wonton. Yeah. The shit is wrapped up in dough. Whatever you got in there, it's cool. It doesn't have to be whatever the And you hit that right is. there. I love the cultural differences. Like, we had empanadas yesterday. We call that a wugok. I mean, it's like, yeah, it's a different name, I just, but it's the same shit. Because if you go to each other culture, believe it or not, sometimes when you have certain things called colonization, people bring certain things into your culture that we can either better it or change it or whatever you want to call it. It's like... Yo, man, tempura is Portuguese. You don't like it? Fuck you. Or, you know, a dantat is Portuguese. You don't like that? Fuck you. Or, you know, a, a, a whatever. Everything itself, we're all interconnected in one way or another. But if you have to, like, really social analyze what the fuck we're eating, then you're not enjoying your fucking food. Right. I'm sorry. And, you know, and, and it's that simple. Stop looking at what's in... You know, just enjoy the shit. And this is like that Bruce Lee moment. If if you just kind of like look at all that shit, you miss all the fucking heavenly glory. Because you're now just like, yo, man, what's in this shit? You know, no, this is not, you know, drivers, dives, and wine or whatever to say how complex or whatever the fuck, or mommy or whatever it is. Does it taste good? Yeah, fucking eat it. Mm. You know, and, and and that's it's as simple as life is. And my daughter, I'm telling my daughter, very simple. If they play with you, play with them. But then adults, they like to complicate things, right? They, well, I you mean, tell adults to say, fuck off, leave them alone, let them play. Seriously. Mm. Sometimes you have to let these folks know, it's like, let them play. They have to learn how to play. And you know, whenever they get into a difference, they get mad at each other for 30 seconds and they keep playing. Unlike assholes like us, we will hold grudges. Mm. And then, you know, that's when we fuck things up. Yeah. But it's very simple. Kids, when they play, they learn conflict resolution. They don't get mad very easy. You know, they they don't like it. They go back. Next thing you know, they're bad at it. They'll play again. We should learn from watching kids play. Oh my gosh! You know, I—I I mean, just from like my siblings, right? We when, should learn how to. When we, when we were kids, we would fight, and I mean, like seriously fight. Whether it's arguments, we'll go on and for how hours. Argue, get over it, and we'll get over it. Like by the time dinner hits, we react like it never happened, or we'll even get physical. Me and my brother, and right? you can laugh at it because why the fuck we fight? It was like that was stupid. Yeah, that was stupid, and we, then, we, and you leave it at we that. We wouldn't even talk about it. The next, we just ignore it. And we just move on. We'll just move forward with our lives. We were very forward thinking. Right, but now as we gotten older, if if we fight, it, we'll go through like months of not talking to each other. Like we'll, and it wouldn't even be that serious. It would be something crazy, Stupid. but then we'll get all up in our feelings and not talk to each other for a, for a while. It's it's crazy. Like what happens to us as adults versus when we're kids? I just find it so intriguing because. You know, I'm observing all these kids at the parties and I'm just like, yo, they got it right, man. Like, and then I start reflecting on my own childhood because you kind of relive your childhood in certain ways when you have a kid, right? I think that's part of the beauty of being a parent. And, and it's like, you kind of get a second chance at that youth, you know, and, but you're kind of on the outside looking in, but at least you get to see it. 
and and you observe certain things that you didn't quite understand or had the the maturity or the mental fortitude or the experience to look at it from a different light but when you do you're kind of going what happened to us like what happened to me what happened to all of us here why are we like this? We should let Why them be aren't in we the like UN. that? They could be in the UN negotiating and, and, and not get into war. And, and the thing is just keep playing. And then that's, that's the part. That's the beauty of the part that, you know, I myself, the moment I have my daughter to be a parent and, and to basically to reassess my upbringing to say, first of all, I'm not going to raise my daughter the way my mom raise me because I man that's fucked up and the next thing you know is like you know what there's a lot of things that I messed up myself as a human being but uh but these are the lessons that I'm going to at least reflect on to make sure that my daughter will see it but you know just and they're gonna let them determine you know that that's wrong you know that's you know I don't you know it's just, I don't know you and, and that's like her way of saying whatever it is but also give your children the ability to think about things, not critically, but to a point where they understand it at their level. Because they were already smart playing with their friends in the sandbox. They have an intellect that is so simple that we can't even comp with what like doctors and scientists are trying to analyze that play scenario for years. And it's like, fuck, stop analyzing. Just let them have fun. And that's the actual solution of it. They're having fun. They're learning. They're engaging. They're doing conflict resolution. They're exploring. You know, yes, it's okay once in a while they eat a little dirt. It's okay once in a while that, you know, but now, you know, parents, no, don't touch that. Don't, no, don't hang out with him. You know, man, he's not our kind. You know, you know, it's like. And I see that. I mean, I've, I've felt that I Well, they shield them. They put their kids in a, uh, I guess, metaphorically speaking, a bubble. A safe space. I hate that fucking term. Mm. You can't have safe space. Nothing is safe. And the thing is, you just have to be there and let them fall. But you have to be there to help to make sure that they get back. And you know they what I noticed? They all have to fall. That they constantly observe you. And when you say something and then you don't, you say something to them, they know when it's hypocritical. They may not understand the word hypocrite, but they understand the feeling of a hypocrite. So when they see you say something, but you don't actually do it yourself, then you hear kids go. Because I heard one of the other kids when the, uh, responding to the parents, how come you don't do that? You're telling me to do that. I was like, ooh. And the, the typical answer is, I'm your mother. That's why. Because I said so. Yes. And, and, and what kind of parenting is that? It wasn't a proper conflict resolution. So you can see the kid was like, like, fuck, yo, this sucks. You know, it was, it, they just didn't like it. And, and, and it was just this unresolved feeling in them that just didn't get the proper closure and or explanation. And they actually that. lose respect for the yes. parent because you personally, don't respect hypocrites. If someone tells you, hey, don't smoke, and you're out here smoking a cigarette right in front of them, you're like, and you're preaching about how bad it is for them, and you keep doing it, you're going to be like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? You lose, you may, everything you say may be right on the button on reasons why not to smoke, 
But if you're actually doing it, you can't really respect that. And kids are brutally honest. Yes. And the thing is, as I, you mentioned before, there are times that the kids will observe. They will follow you not because of what you say. They will observe your actions. Because I remember when I first, this is like she was eight years old. I was teaching her how to swim. You know, we're in a pool and all of that. And I would think that, you know, afterwards she didn't get it. But when later on, 30 minutes later, she found this little girl on the other side, little black girl that she was playing with at the pool. She did exactly what I told her, the strokes, the breathing and all of that. And she explained all of that to this little girl. She just, you know, her new friend. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, they're like playing on the other side. And I just, and, and oh shit, you little. And she knew, but she just didn't want to say anything to me. Yeah. So the thing is, a lot of times, and I and I notice that even when I you know do my parenting class with the, the fathers that I work with, it's not what you say to them; it's what you do that they observe. That is the most dangerous part because a lot of times you could be doing things, talking all kinds of shit, and they'll be just sitting there playing, although they're playing, they're looking at you. Yeah. They're looking. My son is always and staring at me. They're like a giant sponge because if you like. Spill out toxic, they absorb that. Mm. If you spill out gravy, sure. they absorb that. Yep. If you spill out, they absorb it. And then we have to be a lot smarter to explain to them: this is good, this is not good. Yes, daddy does this. It's a bad habit, but I don't want you to be, you know, because of this. I'm already at this age, and you also have to just. And explain to them as simple as possible. Don't over-explaining. I mm. hate it when I have over-educated relatives that, and they started to go in there and give you that Asian A mentality and bring in the kids to do all kinds of, fine, just let them know it's simple. Good, bad, Frankenstein, fire, bad, you know, liquor, good, whatever it is. And they'll understand. And all you got to do is just let them know and don't, be the authority because I'm the father. I say so. The more you do this, the more they will just be like Play-Doh and squeeze right between you're gonna your lose, fingers yeah. and you're going to lose it. Hey, if you hold them too tight, Yeah, You, you ever heard done. this quote? With love, you have to treat it like you're holding sand. Yeah. Because when you squeeze sand too hard, it'll just it'll go right through your fingers. Go, and if you hold it too softly, it'll also go through your fingers. But if you hold it just right, the sand will stay in your palm. That's the balance. That's that's the yin and yang shit that we have to deal with because you got to have both. And a lot of times, you know, you kids can't teach your kids all good because if you teach them all good, they'll never be exposed to what, what bad is. You know, is that balance, is that something that, you know, is learned from experience? Because as a new, new parent, I'm constantly learning, like, things to do, things not to do, and sometimes it's a little overwhelming is is that through experience that you learn, okay, you had to find that balance and not squeeze too hard? It's it's everything in life that we go through. Uh, it's not just being a parent. It's also being a good person. You also have the best, the best thing to do is to let your children know that this is what a good person does. You know, and I think instinctually kids know uh, what's be- good between right or wrong. Yeah. Right, because we're the one who put the racism in their head. We're the put. Mm. We're the one who put the bigotry in their head the because pride, they already the know. Dad, that's not you know, and they feel it when they're young. 
It's a very simple type of, you know, binary mentality. You hit them, they don't like the feeling, they'll cry. They, they actually did a case study on this on, on kids that are like one or two, yeah. two years old. They, they took a Muppet, two Muppets, right? And they, one Muppet stole from the other Muppet. And then t- they were just like playing around and they had these like uh, little hand puppets do these things mm-hmm. that were terrible. And the other kid gravitated and wanted to share the snack or yeah. and take care of the other Muppet and wanted and they actually hit the other Muppet to keep it away from the other one. So they know it's in there. At a young they age, know they're, like they're right or wrong. We, on that. we are a computer with a clean hard drive. How we program ourselves, you know, if I'm gonna be a photographer, so I'm gonna have photography apps. If I'm gonna be an artist, I'm gonna have these apps and, and if I'm gonna search porn, I'm gonna have porn apps. If I'm going to shop a lot, these kids are processors and storage memories. We gave them tools. We all are also giving them how to navigate to get these things. If your kid is already ingrained with you know certain artistic abilities, certain ling- whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, promote it, push it, advocate mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. But you also notice that maybe oh shit, you know. Whatever your parents, sometimes we have an alcoholic or whatever it is that you you don't want that to happen. Or by the way, if, if you currently your family is in a situation that they're exposing to because that you know the audio and your visual cortex, they're absorbing everything. The first eight years of their life, mm. that first eight years, and I always tell people that because somebody's told me the same thing. The foundation that you lay for your child. The first eight years is the most critical part because that is the foundation that will lead into it. Teach them puzzles. Let them learn how to play chess. Basic thing. It doesn't have to be super duper academic, whatever it is. Teach them origami. Origami is cool because all our boxes and everything else, the folding part, the engineering, the dexterity, the very most basic, simple things. Take them to shopping. Give them $5. Okay, if you can figure out what to get, the change is yours. That's yo. That's that is like that's financial literacy. Oh, I, I've done <laughs> right yeah. there. Yeah, we've done all those things yeah. with our and, kids. And, and if if you're doing it the first eight years and do it right, financial literacy. Because man, I got friends who are like, I got a PhD. How much do you own? Ninety thousand. And I don't care how smart you are. If you can't pay your bill, you're fucked up. <laughs> These there are other. Th- Things that make you, you know, it's what's Ronnie Chen says, man. You know, it's like, no, you can be street dumb and book dumb at the same mm-hmm. time. It has nothing to do with that. There are he said that there was a, that was part of his comedy. Okay. He goes, oh man, it's just because no, he's you didn't damn go to right. School. Just because you didn't go to school does not make you automatically there, street there, smart. There's some truth in that you humor, can be, man. You can be book dumb and street dumb possibilities and shit like that. Yeah. And. And the thing is, a lot of people, yeah, you can learn street experience, but, you know, sometimes your life will, depends on it. And no matter how much you read, if you don't apply to what you read, then all the books that you have absorbed doesn't mean a damn thing if you don't apply to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are your children, and whatever they want to do, support them. Lucky Boys Podcast.